0: Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Well, at LifePoint, we exist to help people connect with God. And we do that in a lot of different ways. You, you see it done through trying to get people to take next, next steps in ministry, trying to get people to take next steps and, and follow Christ in baptism, trying to get people to jump into a small group or just get involved and build relationships. There's a lot of different ways to connect with God. I'm going to talk today about a very specific way that some of you need to connect with God. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. This is the money talk. you probably saying, like, I've been waiting. I know they got that land down there. We're building that building. And so it's time for the money talk. This is way more important than anything to do with a building. This has to do with a step that many of you need to take. If you're here for the first time, today is a, a special day. We have our annual summer bash, and this might be the last summer bash we, need, we get to do all together just because so many people come that we just, I don't know where, we, we can't keep doing it at the same place, I'm sure. But also, at this summer bash, not only do we get together, both of our sites get together and hang out and get to, get to see people from our other location, it's a time to celebrate People taking their next step of faith and being baptized. So if you're here for the first time today and you're just checking out church, you, you might want to come out there and join us and, and have a look and get to know some people. And you're invited. Uh, unfortunately, you've got to bring your own food because we already, already sold all that. But if, if you want to come check it out, come and check it out. Because there are people here today that are going to do something they didn't know they were going to do when they came in here. I hope. I hope as I talk to you over the next few minutes that those of you that need to take that step of faith and follow Christ in baptism, you make the decision based on the scriptures I'm going to share with you that you need to do it. What I'm going to tell you over the next 20 or so minutes are all the things that you need to know in order to take that step. So if you've got any questions about what this thing called baptism is, I'm, I'm probably going to be able to answer those in this 20 minutes I'm talking. If you've been putting it off, I hope the scriptures that I share with you give you the motivation to say, it is time for me to take that step. Everything I share with you is going to come from the scriptures. Every week at LifePoint, we hand out Bibles. And right now, there's some Bibles going down the aisles, coming up the aisles. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers are coming down. They'll give you one. That Bible is yours to keep. You can follow along on the screen, or you can turn to the books in there as I tell you where the different passages are that I'm going to read from. Well, you know, there's a trend today, and the trend is, in weddings, people don't like to say the word obey. Over probably the last decade, more and more couples have taken that out of their ceremony. In fact, the big royal wedding a few weeks ago, it was big news because the woman wanted the word obey taken out of the ceremony. And I can just imagine the scene, you know, behind the scenes, the, the bride or the groom saying, I'm not saying obey. I'm not going to obey that person. Why is it that people get tense when you start to use that word obey? Why is it that they don't even want it in their wedding ceremony? I'm not going to say I'm going to obey you. It's because we have this human tendency about us that we don't like people to tell us what to do. Who, who does not like someone else to tell you what to do? Most of us. Right? Tell them you're like, well, I'm sitting beside of her. I can't really say right now, but I really don't like it. Face it, we are an independent people and we don't like to be told what to do by others. So let's just take the word obey out of our vocabulary, and now it's something negative. And yet, when you open up the scriptures and you read Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me. You will obey what I command. So the principle is that Jesus asks and we do. And well, We don't do it perfectly and we mess up and make mistakes and don't get it right sometimes, but the underlying principle is Jesus asks and we do. And in baptism, I am obeying what Christ said to do. Now those of us in the room that, that, know Christ personally, that made that decision to follow him. We remember what it was like to be separated from God. I can remember. When I finally realized and just the the gravity of all that hit me that that I am I am disconnected from God. I am separated from him. You remember what that was like? Those of you that now know Christ, you remember what it was like when you first discovered I'm I'm not connected with God and And he's way over here, and I'm over here, and I need to do something about it. There are a group of people talked about in the New Testament in the book of Acts that realized, they discovered through some teaching that they were separated from God. And one of Jesus' disciples, one of the apostles named Peter, gave them instructions on what they needed to do when they felt disconnected from God. And it's recorded in the second chapter of Acts. The book of Acts in the New Testament is the book that kind of, it just tells the story. It's like a newspaper account in the first century. If you picked up a newspaper, if they had them, you would read something very similar to the book of Acts because it was just kind of like a reporter telling what happened when the church in the first century was just getting going, just getting started, people just saying they wanted to be a part of the church, So these people who are listening to the apostles teach, they begin to realize, as he tells the message of Jesus, they begin to realize, hey, we're on the outside. We're on the outside of this thing, and I don't... I don't like that. I want to be on the inside. And so they hear the Apostle Peter tell this story about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And because of their sin and because they wouldn't recognize him, the light bulbs start to go off and they begin to realize this guy truly was the Messiah. So they realize that and they, it says this about them. Beginning in chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this this message about Christ they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do they wanted to know well if if we're separated from God what do we need to do and here's how he responded repent and be baptized he said you need to repent and be baptized and it goes on to say your your sins will be forgiven you'll receive the gift of the holy spirit and it goes on to say that Peter spoke many more words to them. So he explained to them this hope and this message and what it means to confess Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And he warned them with many other words and said, this message is for everybody. And then in verse 41 of the same chapter, it says this, those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Right then, 3,000 people said, I'm on the outside, I want to be on the inside. So they accept the message of Christ and say, I believe it. I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I believe it. I believe what you're saying. Now, what do I need to do? And he said, well, if you believe it and you've accepted this message, there's another step you need to take, and that step is baptism. And 3,000 people did it. Not a month later, not a year later, right then. 3,000 people got in line. How they pulled it off, I don't know how long it took. It looks like it just kind of happened in an hour, but I'm sure it took forever for these people lined up to go through. I've accepted Jesus Christ. I want to follow him in baptism. Nobody waited. They did it right then. So the people who heard this, heard what it meant to repent and confess Jesus as Lord, and, and they did that. And Then they followed it up. Doing exactly what Peter said to do, and they got it. See, they'd heard of repentance before, it wasn't a new idea. People had always repented. Repentance just means to turn and walk in a new direction, just turn and walk away. So they were like, Okay, we can do that. And then they hear baptism, they actually would have known what baptism meant, and they would have been it'd been easy for them to say, Okay, we'll do it. But today, baptism is. It it has different meanings to different people, depending on how you grew up or depending on what church you grew up in. It's just not a word you use every day. You don't, I mean, when's the last time you used the word baptized that was not somehow connected to church? I guarantee you've used the concept behind the word, but you probably haven't just had the word baptism come up at dinner. The word baptism comes from a Greek word that sounds very much like it baptizo. And the word baptizo simply means to wash, dip, immerse, plunge under, or submerge. It had no religious meaning to it. It had no you know, deep church meaning to it. It was just the word they used when they wanted to talk about something being dipped, immersed, plunged under, to make something made fully wet. In fact, archaeologists found a recipe book that was 200 years before the time of Christ. A book of recipes. And in that book, the guy that's writing the the Rachel Ray of the day or whoever, it was a man actually, and he was writing these recipes. And one of the recipes was for pickles. And you know how you make a pickle, right? You start with, what he said, a cucumber. And he would say that you baptize the cucumber in vinegar, for so many days, and then it's a pickle. So the word didn't have any spiritual meaning to it. It was just, hey, he's baptizing cucumbers and turned them into pickles. It was just another word. So how did it become, how did it come to mean so many different things like it does today? Because in Scripture, every single time, every time a person Accepted this message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Every time after Jesus' resurrection, every time a person accepts him, they followed him in baptism. Without exception. Just go home today, read the book of Acts. Every single person accepted Christ and they followed him in baptism. In fact, most of the time it was the very first step they took as they were coming to know Jesus Christ. But that's how it started out. You read the book of Acts, first century, that's how it began. But after a couple hundred years, church leaders began to throw their own interpretation in there and change things a little bit like we have a tendency to do and go against Scripture. And they started to look less at Scripture and more at convenience and tradition. A few hundred years, just a few hundred years after the time of Christ, after the book of Acts would have been written, they were already selling indulgences. And you know what that means? That means you got to pay for your sin. The worse you sin, the more you got to pay. If you wanted to go out and have a great night, it cost you money. I mean, you'd have to go to the priest and just confess that thing and, and go in the little booth and slide another, an extra $100 bill under there and say, I'm really going to have a great time tonight. I want to go ahead and, and pay up. And the church generated funds because they were selling indulgences. So they started to change what the original meaning of Scripture was. And so they sold indulgences and then... What ended up happening, people waited longer and longer in life before they made a decision, before they decided they were going to get to know Jesus or accept Jesus. So maybe if somebody was laying on their deathbed and they called a priest over and say, I'm about to die, what do I need to do? The priest's like, you know, I think sprinkling be all right. They're too sick to take out and put in the river. Let's just sprinkle a little water on them and that'll work. Now, that's not what the word meant then. It meant to immerse, but they changed it. And so they just sprinkled a little water on them out of convenience. So that's how baptism started to take this turn from what it is in the Bible to what it became and what it is for many people still today. By the 4th and 5th century, the leader Augustine started to subscribe to the belief that little babies are born full of sin. They are sinful at birth. They have sin in them. And if if they were to die, they would go to hell. And he began to teach that. Like Eddie's little baby that was just born. Augustine would say, that little baby's full of sin. I've held that little baby. There's nothing in that little baby that won't go out in a diaper. I mean, <laughs> there's no sin in that little child. It's perfect. It's How would he even know what sin is? But Augustine, against a lot of protest, began to teach this to church leaders. And eventually they started to believe that, you know what? We don't want these little babies to be lost, so we're going to baptize them. Well, you're not going to dunk a newborn baby underwater, so... The the practice was, by and large, sprinkling by that time anyway, so they just sprinkled the little baby, and now we make sure that he's saved and he doesn't end up going to hell if he dies as as a little baby. That was all started, mostly, by the leader, Augustine. And then, fast forward about 1,200 years, and now there's a group of people in England that decide we need a Bible for the common person. Because up until then... It wasn't common for just the average everyday person because most people didn't read anyway. So what did they need a Bible for? You just went to the priest and the priest told you what to believe. So when you ask the priest about how do I accept this message of Christ, you're just at the mercy of whatever they told you. So because of that, this idea had been going on for many hundreds of years that the the people could have a Bible in their hand. The church, the Catholic church in particular, fought, 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 fought fought, because they didn't want people to have a Bible in their hand. And they, they just said, no, we don't want it to happen. Well, finally, the King James translation, which then in 1611 was a modern-day translation in the modern man's street English. And so when they're translating this into modern-day street English of 1611, they have a decision to make, just like translation today. Do you, do you just translate a section and get the spirit of it, get the general meaning, or do you go word for word? And it was up to the translator do I go word for word, or do I just kind of get the meaning? Well, when it came to the word baptism, because the practice of the day was so widespread that it was sprinkling and not immersion, they just made up a word. Because the word baptism means to immerse. Well, nobody was doing that, so they can't put the word immerse in there, because that's not what anybody does, so let's just make up a word. It's called, the fancy word, transliteration. So they just made up an English word and said, Let's call it baptism. So that's what they did. So they called it baptism. And baptism started to take on, at that point, two different meanings. Or many different meanings. So how did it get so far from that original meaning when Peter says, Y'all need to repent. You need to accept Christ. And those of you who accept Christ, you need to be baptized. How did it get so far away from what Jesus meant when he said, Go into all the world. And when you teach people, when they accept my message, I want you to baptize them. And it meant immersion in water. How did it get so far? Well, largely the population during that time was uneducated. So the way you learned about the Bible was somebody told you. You had to hear someone speak about it. So if if you wanted to come to know Christ at the last moment of your life, which you still can, and you wanted to make sure you got everything just right. And the priest said, well, we practice this thing, what they called clinical baptism, which is like almost baptism, and we'll just sprinkle you. You would just take his word for it. And if you were uneducated and you didn't have a Bible in your hand to read it for yourself and a priest said that baby is going to go to hell if it dies, you need, to, you need to baptize it, and that means sprinkling a little bit of water on its head, would you do it? I would. For sure, that's how it came to mean something that it never was supposed to mean in the beginning. But we're different today. We have a Bible in our hand. You can read it for yourself. I can point you in a direction. You can disagree with everything I'm saying today. Just go read the book of Acts. And every time, it was adults who were coming to know Jesus. It was adults who were confessing him as Lord. It was adults who followed him in baptism. And every, every situation where people accepted the message of Christ, they repented, they confessed, and, and, and then they followed Christ in baptism. And, and those, those aren't in a, in a magical sequence. Sometimes they're out of order. The stories are different. One has confession here, then repentance here. One has baptism here, then has it later. But those elements were a part of every single conversion in the book of Acts. So every person who accepted Christ did that. In Acts, you are reading what I read Peter saying was him just obeying what Jesus had in mind when he said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in baptism, I am obeying what Christ said to do. Now today, there there are two extreme views on this topic of baptism. One is that somebody might tell you, well, it's optional. It's just an optional thing. You can do it or you don't have to do it. It's optional. So how many commands of Scripture, everybody would agree Jesus commanded us to do that. How many commands are optional? Do you, have you ever read a list? I've read the Bible cover to cover and I've never found a command that said, oh, this one's optional. You don't have to do this one if you don't want to. So one extreme says it's optional that, hey, if you just say these words just right after me, then you're okay. And while prayer does and in, is involved in someone coming to know Christ, there is not this magical prayer. The sinner's prayer, you've probably heard that term before. It's not in Scripture anywhere. In fact, it started in the 18th century when they would have these big revivals and all these people would come up and they started to think, well, how can we get all these people at one time to get saved? Why don't we write this prayer? We'll say it. They'll repeat after us. They can raise their hands and we can say, great, we had this many salvations tonight, all because they said this prayer. Prayer does not result in salvation. Now, people who want to come to know Christ, of course they're going to pray. Of course, they're going to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord in my life, but it's not the means of salvation. So one big extreme is that baptism is optional. Then there's another big extreme that says, well, this act of baptism, this being dunked in the water, if you get that wrong, or if you get that out of order, if you didn't know the right stuff when you were being lowered into that water, then it's like the smoking section for you for eternity, buddy. If you just didn't understand it all right, and you didn't just get it all right, in fact, People who believe that, that that's it, that it's, it's like baptism becomes the Savior. And this act in water is the Savior. And baptism does not impart salvation. Jesus Christ does. Baptism does not forgive your sins. Jesus Christ does. Baptism doesn't put you into the family of God. Jesus Christ does. But it is a symbol of what has taken place inside of your heart. If baptism did it, we could just line people up. I mean, Nero marched his troops through the water, right? You ever heard of that? He just marched them down through the water and got them all baptized. So, hey, they've all been baptized now. They can go die and go straight to heaven because he can go put them out on the front lines. If that was the case, then all it would take is a dunk in the water. But baptism is a symbol of the commitment that a person makes. Much the same way this ring I have on my finger that I put on there on June 6, 1992. My wife placed that on my finger, and that is a commitment. That is a symbol of a commitment. Now, I could, I could say, hey, pass this around, and if you put this on your finger, you're not married to my wife, okay? It's still me, she's still mine, right? I'm still hers. This ring is a symbol of all the commitment that goes behind it. It means that, hey, this guy's off the market, hands off, eyes off, whatever, So when you see somebody with a ring, there's a commitment that goes behind it. This ring says, I love my wife. This ring says, I'm committed to her. This ring says, inside here, inside of me, there is this deep commitment that has been made to this woman. It's a symbol. And that's what baptism is for people who come to believe and accept the message of Christ. There is no power in this gold band. There is no power in water. The power is in the commitment I have to my wife, and the power is in the accepting of what Jesus Christ can be and has done for all of us. In baptism, I am obeying what Jesus said to do. And that group of people in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, that were written about, When they said, those who accepted the message were baptized. 3,000 of them. So they would have understood. Now these were Jewish people, so they would have had this pretty in-depth understanding of a ceremonial washing. Because in the Jewish culture, even today, they have this thing called mikvah. And what mikvah is, is if you want to make a new start, if you, if you were adopted into a family, if you wanted to become Jewish, you would take off all your clothes except for your undergarment and you would get in this water and you would get down in it and be fully submerged, baptized, and you would raise back up. And it, it signaled a new start, a fresh start in a person's life. They were so legalistic about it that even the women couldn't even have their hair rolled up. They would have to let their hair down. So every part of them could get wet and this new birth could be symbolized in this act, this thing called mikvah. So for these Jewish people, it was easy for them because they already knew what it meant. They had already practiced that. They already knew that it was a change taking place, that a, a new start on the inside means a testimony on the outside. Baptism is that special way of identifying with Christ. And as I've gone through this talk, it kind of puts all of us in categories. Everybody in here, as I'm talking, you're, you're probably saying, oh, I've done that. I did that. I accepted Christ. I followed him in baptism. I'm g- great. I'm glad you did it. Take notes and share this with somebody. Maybe you, maybe you needed a refresher on what this whole thing means and what you did when you did it, whenever you did it. Then there's another group of people who, if I said, are you a follower of Christ, you would say, yes, I am. Have you followed him in baptism? No, I haven't done that yet. And this message today, it's for you. It's targeted specifically for the people who have said, I've accepted Christ, I've accepted his message, but I haven't been baptized. Well, today's the day you need to do it. Today's the day you need to stop making excuses. Today's the day you need to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and come out to the lake at four o'clock, bring your stuff ready to go in the water and follow Christ in baptism. Why would you wait? In scripture, they didn't wait. They just did it. They found some water and they got it done. And there's many of you in that group that just need to get it done today and stop waiting. And I know the reservations. The reservations, here's what I've heard. Well, I don't want to be in front of all those people. The lake's the perfect place because you go out in this semi-clean water and you go out there... (laughs) You go out there several yards, and the people, the people can't really see you. The other people being baptized can. And, and so nobody can really see you. The water's murky, very murky, can't see under it. And you're baptized. And So d- don't let that fear stop you today because this is the most disconnected from everybody else you're going to be when you do this act. Usually it's around a pool, and you know everybody's staring at us. Some people have reservations about that, and I, I get that. But this is saying, I believe Jesus is who he said he is. And you just need to put your fears aside, and you just need to do it. Now, I know some other fears might be, well, you know, my parents baptized me as a baby, and well, now you already know where that came from, all right? But your parents had you baptized as a baby because they wanted you to get to know Jesus Christ. They wanted to help you in your faith. So don't fault them for saying Based on their knowledge, they brought you before a priest, and he sprinkled water on you, and they had a prayer over you. This is that being played out. And you can just say, Mom, Dad, thank you for taking me through that ceremony because look where I am today, and and look at what the Scripture says. Look where that got me. You might not be where you are today had your parents not been that dedicated to take you in for what's called infant baptism, to be sprinkled. It's not an evil thing that they did. It's a good thing. You weren't lost. You didn't make the decision, but they said, I want this child to grow up to know Jesus. So you're not dishonoring your parents because you say, hey, Mom, Dad, I've looked at what the Scripture says, and I, I see it means something new, and thanks for what you did, but I'm going to take this next step as an adult, and I'm going to make this decision. So don't let that stop you. So if you're in group two and you say, I've accepted Christ, but I've never taken this step, just do it today. Just do it. After the service, I'm going to be standing right down there. Rob's going to be out the info booth. Whatever you're the most comfortable doing, come and talk to us and say, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of saying this is in the way, that's in the way. Can you imagine if 3,000 of those people had made excuses that day? It would have probably never happened. Well, you know, I mean, I used to be Jewish, and now this thing about Jesus, I'll accept him, but I'm not ready to take this step of faith and be baptized. It was like all rolled into one for them, and they just did it. Some of you need to do that today. Everything's ready for you to do it, so why wait? It's just a few miles drive, and we can tell you how to get there. We can celebrate with you, just like those people celebrate in the first century in practicing biblical baptism. Now, there's another group of people who, you, you, you're just still checking out church. Even talking about baptism kind of weirds you out a little bit. Like, what is he talking about getting dunked in the water? I don't get it. And that's okay if you don't get it, and if you're just checking out church. I mean, you're not ready for this yet, and that's Okay but come and talk to us still or check it on the back of your WhatsApp card and we would love to talk to you about what does it mean to truly, you keep saying accept the message, accept the message. What does that mean? Well, I don't have enough time to tell you what that means other than it means that you can get a relationship with Christ and whatever that is that's been drawing you here is real and we can tell you how to participate in that. You can do that after the service today if you want to, but get in touch with us and let us know hey, I'm ready to accept this message. And we'll talk to you about what all of that means. So no matter which group you are in today, whether you've already accepted the message, you've already been baptized, you kind of get it, and you're like, thanks for the refresher. Or whether you're in group two that says, okay, I get it, I'll do it, Pastor. You kept saying it over and over, I'll do it, it's time for me to do it. Or whether you're in group three that has never, and you're still just checking it out, and you're not sure about this whole thing. In Romans chapter 6, the apostle Paul who wrote Romans is talking to a group of people who are followers of Christ, and they're kind of talking about sin and grace and trying to understand what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to live. And and he uses the illustration of their baptism to tell them what happened in regards to sin in their life, in regard to the life they used to have. He says, beginning in verse 3, All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin in baptism i am obeying what jesus christ said to do another way you can think about baptism the way Paul explains it in Romans 6. This, there's, there's three elements to baptism. There's the water, which is, it means it's, it shows the washing. That just symbolizes sins being washed away because of Jesus Christ. And then there's the lowering into the water, which is, think about it. Here's a person who, doesn't, who, who, who used to be a sinful person, who used to be all messed up, and they've accepted the message of Christ. They're standing in this water that symbolizes washing away, and they're lowered into the water, fully immersed in the water, and that symbolizes, according to Romans 6, their death. And then they're raised up, and that symbolizes their new life. Right now, there are things in you that need to die, and there are things in you that need to be brought to life. And only through the message and the acceptance of the message of Jesus Christ can you truly... Put those things away and be truly born again and then follow him in that step of baptism that symbolically connects you to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ as the symbol of your sins, dying, you being buried, and you raising to be a whole new person. If you've accepted Christ and you say, I've accepted that message, you need to do that today. Listen to a couple people on the screen as they talk about their baptism into Christ and what it meant to them.
1: Probably in January or February this year, um, Todd was talking to me about baptism, which I kind of heard about, and I was like, okay, that sounds cool, I'll do that. And then once we got talking about it, I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. So then I waited like a few months, and then Cynthia came up to me at Bible study, and she um said that she had heard that I wanted to be baptized, and she said that she thought that I was at the point in my life that that would be good for me. And so we had a long talk about it, and baptism definitely has changed me. It was hard for me when I decided to follow Christ in baptism. Um, I struggled with that decision a long time. Um, I was baptized as a baby, and um, I accepted Christ when I was a junior in high school, and um, why did I need to be baptized again? I I didn't really know, and um, but since coming to Life Point last two years, um, I can my life's changed, and I can feel it change. God's changed my heart; He's changing my mind. You know, I realize it's not about the religion. It's it's I finally I think I me I finally have a relationship with Christ that I, I don't think I ever opened or accepted before and you know I was I'm excited about it and I wanted to celebrate that and I I thought you know what what better way than to do it with the community of people at LifePoint the, the people that have guided me in so many ways and and just my new family you know with Christ followers so it was It was special to me, my parents were in town, and um, it meant a lot.